Previously on Drama. It's difficult, I know. It's difficult, I know, to begin so. I stand to lose my job, perhaps. But if I pass on a show that turns out to be the next law and order, they will kill me. The living body is a field on which the spirit plays. Wantonly, the living body is soul, soul articulated. Drama, the pilot episodes, part three. Some days later, in Penelope's office, the sage sits on a windowsill bathed in cold beams from the lights from the street. He's like Michael Bublé only, more handsome. He's holding a bottle of pills. In another light, more a puddle of halogen, Fig hovers with a half-alive bat in her arms. The sage and Fig are loitering. That is, though this is Penelope's office, Penelope is nowhere to be seen. Vampire bats consume their weight and blood each night. They follow the sounds of pulsing veins and feed on warm-blooded animals. A chicken, a cow. If a vampire bat fails to feed, can die within a couple of days. So if a bat is starving, it will approach a more successful member of its colony and lick it. Under its wings, lick its mouth. The plumper blood drinker will let the hungry bat lock lips with it until it vomits blood down its comrade's throat. It is only through this kindness that the colony can survive. But you see, it isn't kindness. Vampire bats don't have a kind bone in their bodies. They are altruistic. And this is not a losing strategy. In life. Now, there is a silent line dance. Full cast. In Penelope's office. Full cast of this pilot episode. In Penelope's office. It's condensed. Essential. A ritual? When it's done, Fig exits, perhaps looking for a plumper bat. The sage shakes his bottle of pills like a shaman's rattle, sets them down in shadows somewhere. And the line dancers dance. Off. End of cold opening. Interior, Nakwaga Raw Bar. Penelope and Columbia have met for dinner. Columbia is now more noticeably pregnant. Penelope is wan, her face pale, except for her deeper red lipstick, now a kind of rust red to match her cut. They are backlit by a large aquarium filled with nondescript Canadian fish. 
The fish attack one another. Occasionally. I can't be your godmother, Columbia. I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to be my babies. Who's having the oysters? I am. She's pregnant. Those are mine. That's an old wives' tale. Penelope looks into the waiter's eyes. She blinks. She blinks again. She's seeing Noah in his eyes. Shellfish have toxins that cross the placenta. Then the bison burgers for mummy. It's bloody. It's bison. It can be bloody. It can be bloody. It can be bloody. Penelope watches the waiter go. What are you so afraid of, P? I had a patient suicide on my first day on the job. Ambulances everywhere. Now my practice is full. I'm all the rage in film and TV, but no one's asked me any questions. No insurance people, no one from the Nakwaka. Don't be so central time, my friend. This town is maverick. We're not afraid of a little drama. Columbia takes a mammoth bite of her bison burger. A drop of blood trickles out of the corner of her mouth. Why me? You don't want me. I'm turning into something. Something... Female mammals with babies are not in full possession of their minds and bodies. Don't ever let anyone hear you say that. The reality of human experience is that we care about our own families, our own children. Necessarily, this means we care less about other human beings. Yes, I think that's so. So, if a mother sacrifices her own child to save a playground full of children, that's a beautiful person. Right, Penelope? I don't know. I know the answer is no, and yet... If every mother were capable of sacrificing her baby to save all other babies... What kind of world would this world be? I am slipping away as a sentient being, and I may not be back for years. Very soon, because of this creature inside me, I will be filled with nothing but bias. I mean, love. I feel it starting, and I know you can see it in my eyes. So it's time to put your big girl boots on and be my wingman, Penny. Let me thank my lucky stars you will never procreate. Are you actually saying this to me? Saying what? Exactly what do we mean by maternal instincts, Penelope? What do we mean? You have blood in the corner of your mouth. So do you. At least mine is from a bison. Yours is from a fucking bunny claw. Columbia reaches for Penelope's oysters and tips back a five-inch Kumamoto. Penelope dabs at her lip with a folded napkin, which Fig takes from her hand. Fig stares at the stain like it's a Rorschach. And how are your first bites? Interior. Nakwaga Corridor, fifth floor, next day, just outside Penelope's door. Didi is just standing there with baby Flannery in her arms. Enter Lily. Lily Bishop. Sunglasses, toque, long hair, Americano. She's like Sundance. Exactly so. Uh, Pardon me? Pardon me. 
I'm on the wrong floor. Hey, you're Dee Dee Vandewater. I was just getting some ice. I'm Lily Bishop. Oh, Lily. Nice to see you. Here for the festival? Yes. You too? Yeah. But I'm here here for a doctor's appointment. So I would kindly ask that you don't mention that you saw me to anyone. Pilot season. Everyone has to see the doctor from time to time. This one's a shrink, though. Lily makes a crazy sign at her own head. Lily? I wouldn't have known. That I was crazy? That this is the office of a psychiatrist. I'm just staying here at the hotel. Right. You're in the wrong wing somehow. And would you like me to read anything for you? I don't cast, Lily. I'm a broadcaster. It's after six. I'm in my bathroom. Right. Right. Idiot. Idiot. But you're part of the conversation. And I know your tastes run to strong female protagonists and that there's a Fort McMurray sex in the city coming down the pipe. And I'm going to have to scoot now before I start leaking. I'm sorry. I probably freaked you out because I'm at a shrink. And I just realized that maybe you think the combination of my pressuring you professionally, plus this shrinkage, plus naming myself idiot idiot when I claim to be a strong female, equals a fucked up actress with no actual core. Well, I have news. This shrinkage indicates that I'm not fucked up. This shrinkage indicates that the disfigurement common to most, if not all, actresses is being addressed, in my case, because of the very fact that I am here. There are ugly actresses who don't need a shrink. Their homeliness is a badge, a sign that they have achieved their success through talent and hard work, as opposed to myself, who, little snack that I am, I have lost my way from time to time, but what I will tell you is that yes, you may have heard that I'm moody, and yes, I do suffer from mood swings, but I am not a drama queen, nor am I diagnosed, nor do I suffer from episodes, manic or otherwise, that might upset or disrupt my relationships at work. I am pristine about my relationships at work. Cute baby. Thanks. I like your boots. A little crazy never killed anyone, Lily. Like, uh, Marilyn? Heath? Judy? Michael? Brittany? Michael? Noah? Lily? Penelope's door opens. Dim light spills out into the corridor. Dee Dee slinks away. Penelope escorts Lily into her office. Penelope has left the TV on, muted. The room is lit by nothing but cathode static now. Neither seems to notice or to care. Noah hangs out in the shadow. Lily cannot see him. Penelope can. She really can. I got your message. I figured you could fill the time. It's always good to know when someone is going to be late. (laughs) Thank God for cell phones. Thank God. How much time do we have left? 28 minutes. You were 16 minutes late. Mm, 44 minute hour. That's right. Right. Is that why I don't get any water? I apologize. Of course. Penelope gets Lily a tiny bottle of water. 
Lily takes off her coat. Lily's outfit is oddly like Penelope's. Penelope notices. Lily takes off her toque. Her hair is oddly like Penelope's. Penelope notices. Penelope sets Lily's water down, sits and poises her stylus over her iPad. And what brings you here? I don't know why you're asking me that. You don't know why I'm asking you why you're here? You asked me that last week. Of course I did. You don't remember. <laughs> That's okay. You see a lot of patients? I've been to a lot of therapists. Therapies. And I'm possibly smarter than you. That's right. But I do remember... you. Why don't you go on then? Lily? Even how you just said that? That's right. It's obvious you don't have the slightest belief that I might be smarter than you. Forgive me. That's my limitation. I see a successful television actress... Thank you. ...who is very beautiful, and I presume... That I'm not bright. ...that you became an actress because of a surfeit of certain abilities. You think I'm a narcissist. We all have tendencies in that regard. But you believe my narcissistic need would be trumped by my intellect if I were strong in that department. But then, of course, that's entirely weak-minded thinking on my part, because narcissists, in fact, are just as often as intelligent, if not more intelligent, than the average citizen. And, of course, acting for the camera would be the intelligent choice for a narcissist who is both beautiful and talented as you, from everything I know, clearly are. Thank you for your honesty. I'm a narcissist. I'm just trying to save time. <gasps> yes, Penelope. I'm just trying to bolt together a livable meaning. Trying to undo the damage I've done to myself. Damage? I had been taking fewer pills because I stopped taking the ones that deal with the core issue of my chemistry and switched over to the ones that go more directly at the symptoms. Which works on the one hand, but now I'm having a hard time watching the change in my own eyes. I fear I'm crossing over some... Lily? I brought you my bio. I don't want to see your bio. I got it down to 150 words. I don't want to see your bio. I figured the one I brought last time was too long, seeing as you obviously didn't read it. I believe I made it clear that I prefer not to work from bios. It's not as though I watch myself. I don't. I didn't suggest that Fine, you then. Let me finish my point. I have a theory that a person can have an unphotogenic soul. Someone who may be physically quite palatable, but who, once under scrutiny, becomes unsettling. A lot of Hallmark stars are like that. You know, nice teeth, shame about her essence. They're not even less attractive than your average Hollywood star. They just have creepy... Souls? Nothing you can do about a creepy soul. Which is why they'll never work in film. Why don't you tell me about your week? What may have emerged? If you read my bio, you'd have seen under Upcoming that I'm making a short film. Have you ever made a short film, Dr. Douglas? What? It's not such a weird question. Everybody and their brother has made a short film. I'm a psychiatrist. My optometrist made a short film. Seven minutes. Very funny. Won a prize in Berlin. Best experimental. He shot it through his eye test equipment. On his cell phone. It cost him eight dollars. He got flown around the world. Tell me about yours. Penelope crosses her legs. 
Lily imitates her exactly. Okay. I play a psychiatrist. 35, smart, sexy, but she's a dim spirit. A what? A faint soul. Penelope smooths her hair. Lily imitates her exactly. She's like a contemporary Uma Thurman. Except she's basically dead inside. It's called... Swamp Masters. Swamp Masters. Swamp Masters. Lily continues to match every move Penelope makes. This has the effect of gradually paralyzing Penelope. This haughty shrink has been through some kind of trauma in her past, some inciting incident that has caused a piece of her soul to go away, to avoid suffering. Go away? To the underworld. Which is like Hades, only more on trend. She has to go down. I was getting anxious about how to pull off deadness and be cultish at the same time. But then, the writer went and died. Dead by his own hand. I heard it happened here. Penelope freezes. Lily freezes exactly like her. Heard it in the raw bar. Ghost Noah sits right beside Penelope. This little film was going to be his pilot, or his calling card, so to speak, to an industry without purpose. The industry is imperiled. Everybody's starving, but he was blazing, enlivened. And what's confounding is that he had hundreds of pages of notes. What's your lipstick color? Viva Glam. Lily slides a sheet of paper from an envelope and offers it to Penelope. Read my bio. No. It's only 150 words. No. Read my fucking bio. Lily crosses, rips the stylus out of Penelope's hand, presses the bio against Penelope's mouth and forces her back into the chair. Lily is weirdly strong. It says I've played the pensive whore, the bettable cop, the nerdy assistant with a will to power. Monsters hacked together by myriad hands. This is why they call them parts now. Not roles. Parts. Like pieces of a body Frankensteined into some unholy version of us that is less than the sum of its parts. Their breath smells like laptops, these quirky best friends. They weep printer ink, these lean, long-haired wives. These freaking fiends could never live outside of a writer's room. In the real world, people would spot them a mile away and kill them. Dead. <laughs> but the eggs of our monsters were laid long ago. Female mammals, fleshy of body and brain, or else sneaks and goddesses unbound by ties of womb and breast, and now they are eroding us episode by episode, and I got all that down to 150 motherfucking words, you mind whore. You psyche slutting, Freud-licking healer. Penelope breaks away. Perhaps we should talk about you seeing a different psychiatrist. You soft Voice, little reason slug. You boundary bitch. Leave my mother loving, daddy fearing ego alone. I don't actually allow foul language in my sessions. Actresses use foul fucking language. Get, Get out, out of, of my, my office. office! Lily creeps toward Penelope, her movements mirroring Penelope's as Penelope backs behind her desk. Save me, Penelope. Save my soul. Penelope reaches into her gun drawer, fingers the little pink gun. I can call someone for you. There's no one to call. I only have you. Penelope's phone rings. 
Penelope shuts it off. I'm very sorry that I have no one or that your phone rang exactly when I was saying the most painful thing I can imagine. Don't worry. For a second, I thought it might be for me. It felt good. Penelope's phone rings again. She shuts it off. Penelope's phone rings again. Are you gonna get that? No. Lily goes eerily still. Dr. Douglas? Have you ever considered the, the possibility that there's a physiological component to the degradation of the human soul? What? I mean the possibility that electromagnetic disruptors are interfering with the neurotransmissions between the brain and the body's organs, liver, spleen, heart, that we once associated most closely with the movements of the soul. Courage, with grace, with kindness, with duty. Lily breathes with Penelope, like she's a living mirror. From the Nakwaga courtyard, we hear a cell phone ring. Then, from the valet booth, we hear another cell phone's ring. We hear a dozen cell phone rings come from scattered places throughout the Hotel Nakwaka. Lily looks up and out in wonder. Mm, words of love flying through time and space, through bodies and minds, through spleens, brains, and livers. How could that possibly be soulless? May I use your washroom? Rest room? No. Penelope recoils. Lily mirrors the recoil, now mocking. Lily vanishes into the shadows of the vestibule. Penelope draws the pink lady undercover light double action revolver from its drawer and tries to figure out how it works. Unseen by Penelope, Lily slips into the bathroom almost invisibly fast, like a Japanese horror creature. Lights shift into a spookier version of Noah's final session. Noah looks alive again. His lanyard is sparkling fresh. Could I please have that water now? You're dead. Is that why I don't get any water? Penelope gets a tiny bottle of water. She hands it to Noah. The bottle falls through his hand. In answer to your original question, Dr. Douglas, it's difficult to describe what I'm feeling. In this room, with you. Because you're dead. You asked, as well, if I thought I could go on. Perhaps I shouldn't have. I would like to go on. I had three minutes left in my session when you found me that day. Why me? That little concierge. She said you have... An unearthly capacity to think the thoughts of the newly dead. Well, 
I'm sorry, but dead people aren't actually part of my practice anymore. Fig and Noah exchange a glance, a silent chuckle, because Noah's dead. Fig is... We don't know what Fig is. I have chosen to counsel the livers. The living. The dead are as much a part of life as the living doctor, like it or not. You have three minutes. Okay. Okay, then. Noah prepares a pitch. Penelope ruffles through Noah's pages. The pages seem to glow. In the early days of television, the television pilot offered an occasion to demonstrate virtuosity, to break ground for good and true. Pilots were pilots. Writers were drivers, bright with purpose and unafraid of the element of thought as prescribed by Aristotle. You know Aristotle? I know the name. The broadcasters pledged duty to their audience. Gave them Craft Theater, Philco, Goodyear Playhouse. You have two minutes. The sitcom need be brief, yes, but not necessarily simplistic. And when I use the word drama, please understand that I am including comedy in a way that is too antediluvian to begin to get into now if you don't already get it. Forgive me. But as the television has evolved, audiences, no offense, have grown used to family shows that are intelligent, sure and not necessarily afraid to be a little out there, but we're talking kooky, <laughs> not crazy, and there's a difference. Believe me, I know. You have 30 seconds. Because what I'm finding, and in answer to your original question, what brings me here, Penelope, Dr. Douglas, is that I fear there is no place for my dramas in this world. I am neutered and nutted. And I have done it to myself in the name of Little D Drama. In the name of the 44 minutes we huck up each week when we are lucky enough to have a job. We just want to have a job. Who doesn't want to have a job? But because we do not cleanse ourselves, our audience is not cleansed. Books are dying. Theater is dead. And so, pity and fear the content provider because we are an other-directed breed. Television requiring us to cleave to a single political orthodoxy. We like tough working mothers. We hate anti-Semites. As though these were groundbreaking discoveries. Having gone so far, we will go no further. And this was my place in the universe, Dr. Douglas. I was meant to think thoughts that would unburden my friends of lies, unburden my neighbors who gather to watch the drama. But the 44-minute hour precludes any possibility of the unburdening of lies, and so I am anybody's fool, everybody's fool, and run through with obscene amounts of water. I will never be. Do you have kids, Dr. Douglas? No. Then why are you here? Uh... If you aren't here to bear children, why on earth are you here? I have read these pages. What do you think? They contain no lies. Then why haven't they been greenlit? Sometimes you have to do terrible things to live with yourself. Noah stands, takes two steps toward Penelope, and slits his throat. Black ink sprays across Penelope's desk. He disappears into the vestibule. Penelope receives a notification. Hey, P. So, 
I was in the middle of a bikini wax, and I looked out the window, and down below there was a playground, and I noticed none of the kids were playing. There were about a hundred five- and six-year-olds walking around, just murmuring into their cell phones. Have you noticed that? Anyway, I'm heading over to a Save the River fundraiser at the Petroleum Club, but maybe you could come over for supper later. I'm cooking mussels. From Penelope's bathroom, a sickening thud. Fig steps into the bright light. She's brilliant in the light that spills from that bathroom. She looks to Penelope, excited. The long 29-year-old arm of Lily Bishop falls into the vestibule. Slender, bright. Interior, office of the sage. Later that night, in the middle of the night, Penelope is draped across the chaise. She's having trouble moving. Those pills you gave me. Pills? Earlier? Panthoclovidium. What? Chloranthnium carbosate. What? Sassapram. I asked you for sleeping pills. I've done the opposite of sleep. It was a sample. You know money is not an issue for me. Something from the rainforest. A sacred medicine used in healing psychic wounds. You've given me an insane root to eat? Vine, actually. Noah drifts in and hangs around in shadows. I'm having a psychotic break. I wouldn't call it that. So limiting. Toxic psychosis, then. What is its half-life? Uh, don't know. I have patience this afternoon. Yes. Every time I turn around, I wind up with a lifeless body in my arms. You're lucky it's just one. She was a drama queen? Yes. No, she's not dead yet. Either way, she is imperiled. Do you want the antidote? Yes, I want the motherfucking antidote. Or do you want to push through to the other side? This is not the other side. You're almost there, Penelope Douglas. Are you on this shit, too? It's a vine. It's a vine. You could push through. Past Oedipus. Past your own tragedy. The world is dazzling in its infinite detail. Unlock your mind, Penelope, and you will unlock the minds of others. Sadly, I have an appointment. If it isn't one thing, it's another. I'm super busy. Fine, then. Antidote. The sage reaches into his breast pocket. Such a waste. The rainforest is shrinking, you know. He gives Penelope some drops on her tongue. How long does it take? Should be immediate. Like piss on a sting. Like an EpiPen post-peanut. Penelope turns and looks at Noah. He waves hi. Hi. Well, it's not working. The sage checks the vial. Uh-oh. What? Nothing. I'll, uh... There is a knock. There is another knock. Excuse me. I'll be right back. With the antidote. This is... I don't know what this is. Exit the sage into some hallway. 
past whomever had knocked. We are disoriented now. Penelope tries to crawl toward the door, some door. The room looks different now. Penelope opens a door. Fig stands in the doorway, holding a glass of milk. Hi. Hi. Change of music. Change of mood. Mood. Fucking terrifying. You have been listening to part three of Drama, the pilot episodes, a contemporary Western psychodramedy in four parts. Part four is available now on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. You can also hear all the episodes at our website, limegreenkitten.ca. This has been a Lime Green Kitten production in association with One Yellow Rabbit Performance Theatre. For more information about the show, go to limegreenkitten.ca. Thank you.